Hello, my name is Claire Heffron and welcome to the Geneva Centre for Security Policy podcast on the latest issues advancing peace, security and international cooperation. In a world of disruption that is far from ending, a new world order is emerging, reshaping the global economy and shifting geopolitical powers. We spoke to the GCSP's Foundation Council President, Ambassador Jean-David Levite, about how Europe needs to adjust if it wants to be an influential force alongside emerging powers. As cyber threats to global security are becoming more frequent, complex and destructive, what is NATO's role in cyberspace? We discussed this issue with Antonio Miseroli, NATO's Assistant Secretary General for Emerging Security Challenges. Ambassador Jean-David Levite has had a distinguished and outstanding career in the French Foreign Service, serving on the staff of three French presidents, including Jacques Chirac, Nicolas Sarkozy, François Hollande, and held key senior positions in the French Foreign Service, including serving as ambassador to the United States from 2003 to 2007 during the difficult period of the war in Iraq. He was also the French ambassador to the United Nations in New York from 2000 to 2002. During that time, Ambassador Levite successfully handled several international negotiations, including Resolution 1441 on Iraq. Is the end of our world order imminent? We are at the end of four centuries of a world order shaped, framed by Western countries. It's the end. It had to happen. It's now. And it is the result of American policy, the rise of China, the transformation of a number of countries, and we have to adapt. When I mentioned disruption, I think this is the key word. Uh, of course, the US today is the number one uh, force of disruption of the world order based on the international organizations established by all the former presidents of the United States of America. And this president is, in a way, uh, not destroying but weakening these international organizations. On the other side, you have the rising power, the challenging power, China. And in between, you have a number of emerging giants, uh, India, Brazil, uh, Russia recovering, uh, Turkey, others. And they want to be heard and to be influential. So in this changed world, what can we do? In this changing world, what is the solution for the European Union? We, European countries, number one. Of course, we have to better organize the European Union. If we don't succeed, we will not exist anymore as forces of influence. We will be at the receiving hand of this new world order or world disorder. I do think that if we succeed in organizing better the European Union, then we will be a key actor to help defend uh, 
modernize the institutions, international institutions, some based in Geneva, like WTO, others in New York, in Vienna, elsewhere. And we Europeans do think that these institutions are necessary if we want to preserve a world order modernized, changed, but it is necessary. Some don't want this world order, okay, but we have been at the origin of these institutions. Uh, they reflect the world order as we wanted it to be. We have to change it, to adapt it, but we want to maintain what are the main elements of this world order. So, this is a big question mark. Will the EU be able to organize itself to be a successful uh, actor in the 21st century? And if yes, will we have leaders with a vision, energy, to be key actors on the world scene? And what about US global power? Uh, the United States of America never underestimate America. That's the lessons I learned during my long years uh, of happy life in New York and, and Washington. Uh, the same people uh, elected uh, President Obama and President Trump, so we'll see. Uh, but democracy in America is strong. America is full of resources, of energy, of talents, and so don't underestimate America. But in the meantime, it's very important for the European countries to uh, be together, uh, organize themselves, and be a force of proposition in this new world, so that the new world order will not be shaped only by the US and China, but by Europe, maybe India, Brazil, hopefully Russia. So this is the vision, as I see it, that uh, we may work for. NATO is constantly adapting to the evolving cyber threat landscape. We spoke to Antonio Misseroli, NATO Assistant Secretary General for Emerging Security Challenge. Previously, he was Director of the European Union Institute for Security Studies. Thank you. Now, you've recently written a policy brief on this terms, with this term cybrid. What is cybrid? Well, cybrid was the name of an exercise that was organized in late 2017 under the Estonian presidency of the European Union that tried to bring together um, the hybrid challenges we are increasingly confronted with with a, a cyber dimension. In other words, a cybrid means um, cyber-enabled hybrid challenges and threats. In other words, all those so-called hybrid uh, threats that are carried out through cyberspace and for which cyberspace acts as an enabler and a multiplier. How much could cyber warfare cost the world if not addressed? Well, it's very difficult to predict even how cyber warfare uh, would look like. 
Uh, it is inevitable that from now on, every major military operation would be carried out also through cyber means, and they would be an integral part of any kinetic operation. But if by cyber warfare you intend a major cyber hostile operation without necessarily having a strictly military component, they could uh, cripple transport systems, communication systems, energy, uh, systems. Of course, that could be a very costly um, incident. There have already been some such cases in the past. In 2017, WannaCry and NotPetya, two major malwares that hit many, many parts of the world, had crippling effects on uh, hospitals, communication systems, and transport worldwide. And the cost was very significant. Can you imagine, can you imagine that being replicated on a larger scale? Also considering that very often these effects are hardly controllable. They could easily run out of control, even on the part of those who use them. And of course, the cost would be gigantic, also in terms of casualties and human lives. That is a kind of activity that probably has less direct kinetic effects in terms of physical violence, but could have a multiplier effect in the second stage. And therefore, so far, fortunately, we haven't had any such event, any such cyber Armageddon. Fascinating. Thank you. And uh, NATO <coughs> is looking to become fully cyberspace operational in the next several years. Um, how are they going to do that? Well, there was already a de decision on the part of allies a few years ago in 2014 to make cyber a domain of operation, a domain of military operations, so that uh, the alliance would be able to defend itself as well in cyberspace as it does on land, on air, and at sea. And that is a process, not something that happens overnight. Uh, we are setting up a cyber operations center in Mons at the military headquarters of the Alliance. And of course, cyber is increasingly factored in, in all our exercises and our activities. And we are increasingly cyber aware in this particular domain. That is something that is as important for the Alliance as it is for individual allies. Also because we are only as strong as our weakest link. And therefore, we are also making extra effort to strengthen the cyber defenses of individual allies, because yet again, we must be prepared in all our parts of our alliance to withstand cyber attacks or military attacks with the cyber component. You mentioned 2014. Uh, how and why did that shift happen in 2014? Well, of course, 2014 is the year of uh, the illegal annexation of Crimea and the, the so-called rebellion in the Donbas region. And that had a very strong psychological effect and impact on the Alliance to the extent that just one year afterwards, the Alliance agreed on a common approach, a common strategy against uh, hybrid warfare. And ever since, of course, the attention to this aspect has increased. Although what has happened is that hybrid operations have started taking place rather below the level of armed conflict, below the level of NATO's Article 5. And of course, the challenge in that particular case, even for an, an organization like the Alliance, is to be sufficiently well equipped to face up to those activities that lie to some extent between routine incidents, uh, uh, daily occurrences, and uh, uh, the level of uh, military conflict. Everything in between today is uh, what keeps us awake at night to some extent. That what our agencies are dealing with. And I think we have to be able to uh, offer sufficient adequate responses.
that could also help us tackle this major challenge to our uh, security. Traditional conflict prevention is different with the cyber war. So how does that apply? Does it apply? What is the alternative? Well, of course, the main challenge is that as opposed to, for instance, the nuclear or chemical domain, weapons of mass destruction, we do not have an international treaty, an international regime in place to this effect. We don't have international multilateral agencies, such as the International Atomic Energy Agency in Vienna or the OPCW in The Hague, that oversee uh, these processes and that to some extent is still um, terra incognita. We do agree that international law in its entirety applies to cyberspace, but the way in which it applies in practice is still a contested issue at the international level. And of course, when it comes to cyber weapons, so to speak, the main difficulty is to deal with them as we do with weapons of mass destruction. First of all, it is difficult to inspect them. It is difficult to um, uh, verify them. It is difficult to dispose of them because it is software. It is not hardware. It is not heavy infrastructure. And in most cases, it is not state-owned. And we know that all non-proliferation and control treaties are signed between states. And when it is non-state actors, when it is private operators, when it is criminal gangs that are the owners of these weapons, it is much more difficult to enforce compliance with that. If I may squeeze in a last question, I wonder about cyber law, international law around cyberspace. Where is that going? How is that protecting civilians and governments? Well, a number of efforts have been made at the multilateral level in this field. And in 2015, the group of governmental experts appointed by the UN agreed in general and in principle on the applicability of international law, including international humanitarian law to cyberspace. But ever since, there has been increasing disagreement among the main players at the state level. Uh, and it has been increasingly um, uh, difficult to achieve agreements in successive ways of the GGE. Now, a new initiative has just started at the UN level with uh, open-ended working groups on the one hand that have just started the work that include all uh, UN members in principle and another set of the group of uh, governmental experts that is due to start its work a few months from now. We will see how these two distinct and separate initiatives will run in parallel and maybe converge at some stage. There is hope that some convergence could be achieved uh, yet again on some basic principles of state behavior. Um, remains to be seen whether there will be sufficient uh, levels of compliance with that, uh, with that possible agreement. It is a situation in which, however, the general international landscape is not particularly conducive to agreements at multilateral level. Multilateral system is at risk and in danger these times, so we can only hope that uh, reason will prevail in this field. NATO as such is not a, a, a norm-setting organization, but of course we support every effort that could help us keep an open uh, cyberspace, open for business, and also a safe and secure one. Well, that's all for today's podcast for the GCSP. Thanks for listening and thank you to Jean-David Levite for joining us along with Antonio Miseroli. Join us again next week to hear all the latest insights on international peace and security. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Until then, bye for now.